I think the movement for for a certain part of the generation is trying to become more inclusive. Yes, absolutely. And because of social media and the internet, yeah. you know, people are understanding of someone who might live completely the other side of the world yeah. and what they're going through. Yeah. And that does definitely resonate, I think, with the younger generation. Yeah, children. definitely. The generation- Welcome to the Brown Don't Frown podcast with your host, Tanya Hardcastle. We're here to engage in a thoroughly inclusive conversation with women from different backgrounds, shaped by our cultural, racial and social experiences, we share our stories. Hello fellow podcast listeners, welcome to Brown Don't Frown. Um, Today's episode we're talking about what will feminism look like for the next generation and I'm joined here today by the lovely Ilaria Minucci. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Was that an American accent? Yes, I was trying to be super like... In case you couldn't tell by the name, she's Italian, very expressive. Very, yeah, proud of it. So we'll start off um, talking a bit more about your background for the listeners. Sure. Oh, shall I start? start Yeah, so, yeah, as she said, I'm Italian, um, but I've been in London for like, well, three years, but in England for like eight years now, so quite a lot. Um, I work for a law firm um, in Camden Town and devoted to like human rights. So I'm pretty much like set on, you know, human rights and like, I mean, the human side of the world, let's say. Um, but um, you and I, we met at LSE. Yes, we did. Um, we did a master's degree in yeah. law, didn't we? Yeah. It was a few years ago now. Oh, oh my God, time. it makes me feel so old. Okay, no need to make <laughs> me feel on, old. Let's yes, move on. <laughs> it was yesterday that Danny and I met. Only a few days ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have any classes together? I can't remember. We must have because yeah. it's not possible that we just like. Did you do a specialism? Yeah, I did public international law. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so we must have had. I yeah. was actually thinking about it before, like what what we did to get. It must have been, because yeah. we also knew uh, Paige. Yes. So we must have had something together. Paige just got a mention on on the podcast. Here we go. We'll have to <laughs> tag you. Is it possible? <laughs> um, okay. That's great. So yeah. we had a great time for remembering what classes we were not yeah. in together. Um, so how how did you would you say you became acquainted with feminism to begin with? So yeah, I thought about it, and the thing is that I think for our generation was was sort of like it, I couldn't tell that at least in Italy there was like not a constant like pattern of understanding or learning of feminism. Okay, like I learned about it for like parallel experience to my education. If if you know what I mean, like like I don't know, my mom for example is like she's a very convinced feminist. So I remember her, like, teaching me from the age of, like, five, like, what feminism was like, but not directly. Maybe she was just, like, teaching me stuff and then tell me, you know, like, if you're, like, she's really convinced about the fact that you have to be independent and, like, you don't have to rely on anybody, not even a man, just, like, anybody. You just have to be, like, standing on your own two feet. She's quite a matriarch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Yes. So that's how I learned about it. There was no actual, you know, structured, like, sort of, like... Yeah, pattern, as I said. So I thought it was interesting because, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, I just, you know, sources from social media. So, like, I don't know, is it different for you? Like, do you think? Yeah, I guess for me, um, growing up as a child, similar to you, I had some very strong women figures in my life. So I had my grandmother, um, but she grew up in a completely different time to me. You know, yeah. she, got, she was married at quite a young age. So her sort of understanding of feminism was quite different from mine. But one thing she always taught me was, you know, just be kind to everyone, be patient, don't get angry. Yeah. And in the entire time that I knew her, um, she I actually never like heard her shout to anyone. Yeah. And I think that takes such a specific level of control. Oh, hell yeah. And I, I just can't do that because oh, I, I shout if that. I'm angry. Me too, I shout um, when I'm happy, so <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what to do. Like. Yeah, and I had I actually was fortunate enough to have two mothers. So I had my biological mum growing up um, mm. in my childhood. And she, she was a very strong figure who instilled a lot of values in me. And then I had later on in my life, my adoptive mother, who's actually my auntie, so my mum's sister. Right. Um, and it was drilled into me from quite a young age that boys and girls are equal. That's yeah. all I was taught growing up. Like, I had my brother and then my, you know, my mum and my aunties would say, you know, you're exactly the same as him. Like, don't think you're any different. Yeah. Um, so they always, you know, said to me, "Go, you need to grow up and be strong and powerful, ambitious, you yeah. know, inspirational, all those sorts of terminologies um, I was familiar with. But it wasn't you know, known. I didn't understand it as feminism. I didn't know what feminism was. Yeah, it has like life experiences. Yeah, just a strong sense of equality and knowing what, you know, that everyone should be treated equally, essentially. That's how how I came to be acquainted with it in that sense. And then at university, I met some really, really interesting women who even to this day I'm still really, really good friends with and loved being on the journey of, you know, self-realisation with them. Like seeing them grow from, you know, quite, not immature, but like not 
self-aware or understanding of the world yeah. to where they are now in terms of their careers and stuff. Yeah. So we all sort of followed each other, each other on, you know, the journey of becoming women it's interesting to think of like the next generation how they will not yes gen z or like yeah i mean let's let's include gen z although they're already like what 10 something years old but um yeah because they're just surrounded by social media aren't they yeah because they're quite we weren't born with it i think no we weren't yeah we had i had i was just reading i remember reading loads of books and watching tv same i I remember remember. mtv when it was still the thing. oh my god (laughs) god bless it but you know i I remember the first thing that i ever like started on in terms of like social media was netlog or something like that it was like so yeah i think i had had myspace and myspace yes msn oh god yes good times so I think um, also for them, I don't know if they maybe have like a more, you know, like s- sort of like a structure of an understanding of what like feminism is like. Apparently what... they're really, really good readers because of what they're exposed to on their phones yeah. all the time. Like the literacy levels are a lot higher than they were. Yeah. I don't know if that's an actual official statistic, but then when we were kids, we had books. So I yeah. guess that's sort of replaced books yeah. now, social media. And also it was less fluid, was it? Because at least like social media keeps like dating itself in a way there is like it's it's worrying because like i think like in 2018 there was something like 60 percent of like millennials um get like as as a source they get information from Um, social media me included yes oh my god instagram like amazing but the point is that i i it's worrying because like you know how you're like the software that you use not software i don't know what the term is but like you know facebook instagram they curate your feed your like your feeds in a way so it's it's essentially an echo chamber so you only yeah. get the information that you seek anyway so you're not being presented with any new information exactly. that's different to your own view so exactly that's quite troubling isn't it exactly really? also because yeah. like how what narrative are you being like fed in a way is it like it, i think it might it could be quite dubious as well like in terms of like the accuracy so do you know that you have to like that's your starting point yeah, that's the yeah, point yeah. so it's like i wonder how much like the next generations will know in terms of like how far you should go when you have like the first step of like you know encountering something but then you have to research it yourself and maybe yes. like go have back to the old books yeah, yeah exactly so i guess before we actually look at what the next generation is going to experience when it comes to feminism we can talk a bit more about feminism as it currently stands I mean there are many different types and I think it is really important to emphasize the fact that people have their own personal journeys with how they would define feminism that's based on their own experiences Um, but I think looking at the global pattern would you say that mainstream feminism itself is quite dominated by western values absolutely oh my god um well I think and that's also like one of the things that okay I'm people can't see me but being in you know I'm like a Caucasian like would you call I'm white so I'm white and also like from quite a privileged background okay and like I didn't realize up until later uh, when I actually left Italy because Italy is like quite a bubble um as a country you know we have a sort of like a ecosystem that we try and like keep as it is like as is there as a class divide in Italy or is it quite you see equal? I would think there is in terms of the north um like especially my city Verona for example is really really oh, really wealthy Verona? I'm oh. from Verona it's very wealthy yes yeah and I did actually I was talking about it with another good friend of mine she's from um near Bologna okay and, and I didn't realize yes okay uh Bologna not specifically but she's from Forlì which is like I, I I grew up there as well actually um and it's like a small town and that's way less wealthy okay Emilia Romagna that region we're from two different regions so their, their, the wealth is not distributed the same way across the two regions. So to say this is to say, like, I come from a very, like, privileged background and I didn't realize until later when I left my privileged background that there are so many other, like, dialogues and discourses, especially when it comes to feminism. Yes, and women's struggles. Um, exactly, because, yeah. like, experience... It's very circumstantial, isn't it? Like, Yes, it absolutely. So yeah. it, it has, I think... And the, the, especially the Western way of seeing it, I think we have we bear the responsibility of understanding that like we made it the mainstream discourse but it doesn't mean it is. No exactly and of course we are entitled to put our own stamp on what feminism means to us but and make it you know our own yeah. our own thing but it certainly isn't a monolith and it shouldn't be seen no exactly um but sometimes it does feel like it as you as you said yeah um and there are traditional roles you know housewives and mother roles only yeah. across all cultures and countries up until just you know before the industrial revolution and then after that it sort of changed and western women began working um and pursuing careers and that sort of i think changed the dynamic between western women and non-western women in terms of 
feminism and yeah, how it developed. Absolutely. Um, and it's definitely exploded over the last few decades. Yeah, yeah. And thank God, because honestly, like I remember even when I talked to my mom that is not so far gone in terms of like generation. Yeah. Um, it's like a lot of things that I take for granted. Sometimes she tells me like, you know, you don't understand. Like, we, like I didn't have that when I was younger. So definitely there's been like, I think, I mean, you know, yeah, as you said, like with, with years, like there's been like quite a constant development. I think honestly in the eighties, there wasn't that much. If you think about it, it was quite a dull Yeah. Side of and the, the jobs were quite um, mundane. So like secretaries yeah, and things like that. Yeah. It wasn't like actual yeah. equating men and women on the same level exactly. in terms of work. Yeah. I think now, especially our generation, especially, I think we have the platform to finally like realize that okay, so this is missing and this is missing and this is also missing. So we have, like, the opportunity to come together, like, all together, though, and just, like, trying to make it, like, you know, a uniform sort of, like, uh, movement to, like, also understand that, okay, well, it's not just this. There is also A, B, and C and so on. And it's a way of life, so... Yeah. Pursuing a career is very personal and there are women, you know, everywhere, not just in non-Western countries, but even in the West who are you know who are much happier just being housewives or being mothers yeah and you don't want to pursue a fancy career they might might just be happy yeah and i don't think that needs to be seen as something as not being very ambitious yeah it has to be all inclusive yeah so we can't just like you know but what i what i'm really because i'm really angry on my social media especially instagram like i mean you've noticed like yes i'm really really angry when i've had people coming to me and say oh i don't consider myself a feminist because i think you know that means like being like having women prevailing over men that but that's not what it is me. yeah exactly precisely it's... and some of them even quoted the, the you know the origin of the of the term like okay fine well not really but whatever that would need a whole other conversation yeah but um <laughs> i think that makes me angry though because especially when it's women and and most of actually the only ones that have come to me with that were white women really okay. and i think yeah because i think you don't realize that you are afforded a privilege you don't realize and you you're have seeing that everything through that lens. Exactly, and you and yeah. you don't even realize that you're practicing that privilege yes. by being silent. And I think that that also comes into play with the fact that that's how I think the Western dialogue of feminism came to be the mainstream one. Yes. Also, because we try and like you know when you're like oh yeah um, well that's what you know in Africa we should do this isn't that. And it's just like, how how are you pointing your finger at something that, you, A, you authorize by making it already like as another category. Yeah. So it's like out of, already like you're like making it out of the discourse. And then as well, like... So you're saying that's outside of the norm. Exactly. Therefore, it's not really feminism. Exactly. So right. it's like also desensitizing it in a way. So it's, it, I, I only, so it's fine. You want to be, you know, a housewife, whatever, but don't come But it me. takes away those women's agency. Like, it's yeah. like they don't have their own voice. You're speaking on behalf of them. And yeah. you think, oh, this is not the right way of life. You're not really respecting, you know, your gender as a woman. Because you're yeah. reducing yourself to this sort of role. And it's like, well, what if I want to do this? You can't label yeah. me based on that, my choices yeah exactly no. I mean I'm really conscious about having this binary between western women and non-western women because having been born born and brought up in the UK I'm a western woman in, yeah. in that <laughs> sense of the word but obviously my cultural and racial background is um is Bangladeshi so I have you know I, I guess it's quite a privilege for me to have seen both sides mm-hmm. to things like concepts like the father giving the bride away that still exists in mm. western culture you see that yeah. when people walk down the aisle and get yeah. married so those sort of things are still very prevalent they came along because of religion essentially yeah. in terms of how women and men should live their lives and how they are seen within society and yeah. there is that hierarchy there and that's been there for generations for thousands of years so it's really hard to break away from that it's definitely changing and the future of feminism is going to change because of that yeah mainstream feminism over the last century the focus has been on things like voting rights working rights reproductive rights safer public spaces equal workplaces gender pay gap issues that we're seeing now despite these challenges we still are privileged because we have access to more than just basic needs and we can live comfortably and it's really easy to forget that some women don't have access to that their priorities are to be able to feed their children 
yeah. on a daily basis or to have access to clean water, they don't think about going to school. So, yeah, it's like the last of their problems. Yeah, like, and it's just like... survive. Exactly, <laughs> and it's very easy to um, belittle them subconsciously yeah. by saying, oh, well, why aren't they going to school? Yeah, because so. yeah, like if there's no there's no possibility, that's the other thing. And then that also comes into play when we talk about intersectionality. Like you have to be able to include that sort of experience as well. But it's not not as a minor experience because no. that exists. Yes. And just because it doesn't exist in Europe or, you know, whatever, which it does, actually. It's just that people don't want to say it. Um, because it's not your issue in that particular geographical area of the world, that doesn't mean that it's not an issue that is just as prevalent for somebody else. Yeah. I think that's what's lacking. And But I think, like, maybe in the future, like, especially now, I think maybe that's becoming, like, a way of, you know, like, I think the movement for for a certain part of the generation is trying to become more inclusive. Yes, absolutely. And because of social media and the internet, yeah. you know, people are understanding of someone who might live completely the other side of the world yeah what they're going through yeah. and that does definitely resonate i think with the younger generation yeah children. definitely the younger generation especially i think i'm not see- well i was thinking about my you know my cousin and stuff i think what what the movement what age group are they um well my well she's actually a millennial as well i was thinking about maybe mm. like my niece she's okay. well she's like six so she doesn't know what we're talking about <laughs> right now but even you know i i see it as maybe when she'll grow up like the i think the movement instead of like resisting like a pattern of like a power you know the power struggle that i think the movement has been dealing with so far it will just become the norm won't it People yeah won't even because think. i think we've yeah. been resisting so far and yes. like while i think the next i mean look at greta thunberg like yes for god's sake she's she was looking at trump in that meme like he was like the antichrist like she's definitely like i think they have the idea of dealing yeah. with stuff so you think the shift is going to be from essentially resistance to acceptance and with, just yeah. normality well more than more than that is like working within the system that is failing you is okay. it so instead of like working from like out the shell and trying to like scrape like you know your way inside and just like trying to like shield yourself from all the things that are negative actually trying to work from within De- deconstructing exactly the current structures yeah okay which i think will be more powerful hopefully yeah and one really interesting question uh, i mean we're seeing capitalism is a dominant force when it comes to world economy like mm-hmm. do we do you think feminism and capitalism will continue to be compatible in the future for our next generation lord of has women? it ever been i mean <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, of course it hasn't if we see- as you said compromise yeah, so. exactly. exactly i think it's it's how it's, do we make it work god good question <laughs> a million dollar question i mean if we see also it depends on how I, I see capitalism as like you know how everybody sees like it sees it as okay the market is like sort of like a space that regulates itself and sort of like a spontaneous platform for like La rational individuals yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bs i mean come on now it's like the, the market clearly reacts to i let's take the movement of protest that we see like in India or America or whatever clearly reacts to it so but I it doesn't necessarily adjust I think no let's see like I don't know the wage gap still exists will yes. it exist in 2045 because profit margins exactly. they want to widen them even further yeah and because it definitely means that the elites like are not you know they're to maximize their profits I think one way of doing it is definitely not reaching the equality even like and the whole trickle down economy concept doesn't really work does it some people don't even believe it yeah no (laughs) I mean people don't that's but but that is how the world goes around though at the moment and radical changes from that haven't happened yeah probably won't happen for the next couple of generations I doubt it exactly until automation comes into into place and then everyone's going to be out of a job so but that's another conversation yeah it's a whole other thing but I think just looking at one particular example so for example at the moment we are so consumed by fast fashion yeah and that is fueled by sweatshops in yeah. places like bangladesh and india and i was actually fortunate enough to go and visit one of the sweatshops oh wow um which someone ran and they were speaking to my mom about it and we were all there together and she just said you know it's given me a job but the conditions are really unfair and i'm working really long hours but it's giving me money mm-hmm. and a lot of the time the clothing i wear is is made in bangladesh so that yeah. just makes me think oh my god i'm wearing i am someone who is fueling continuing to fuel capitalism because of consumerism and the wages they're paid compared to the companies which own the factories Mm -hmm. you know it's just an astronomical divide yeah exactly and the thing that's that's what's scary though as well because as you said like you were 
you were unaware of the fact that you were part of the whole cycle. And it's so, like, but I'm buying this clothes. Exactly. So. And also, because also, what else would you do? That's the other thing. So it's 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 also a way of, like, seeing it as... There's domination. The, yeah. So, like, again, there, is there an alternative? Where do I find the alternative? So, I mean... It, I don't see the the capitalism one is huge, but I just I was just I love how to, you're rubbing your temples right like, now. Yeah, it's like it's the best question you could have ever asked. It's I think it's hard because I think it will be always a compromise. I mean, yes, capitalism is is big. Like as long as it's like you know favored by the elites, as I said, and pushed like through the institutions, it will be hard to like you know sort of like put it out altogether. Yeah, and um, the most marginalised women suffer. And, I mean, the yeah. counter-argument that, you know, ardent capitalists and free market thinkers pose is that, well, it's it's all based on meritocracy and the people who are the best, you know, rise to the top and the people who can't are at the bottom. And it's just yeah. like, well, that Another doesn't BS. make any sense at no, all. No, exactly. So. Especially because, like, what I thought, like, in t- last year was, like, 61%, like, of people around the world, like, are poor. They don't even have, like, access to, like you know normal like basic income and i wonder like okay but where is the 60 percent? what 50 percent of this 60 percent? where does it come from i'm pretty sure it's not from europe you know what i mean like yeah. i'm pretty sure it comes from so i think we have definitely made a really amazing inroads in terms of actual like poverty like yeah. it's definitely on the decline if you compare yeah. it to now how it was like global poverty oh, and yeah. input mortality rates 20 30 years ago yeah i mean it's, it's been good a good thing of capitalism right yeah, I, I guess mean, i guess that's one yeah thing. life was, like, expectancy increasing yeah. so again <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things it's like social media like pros and cons and then it's just like okay but if you get rid of it altogether then we also like relinquish like this whole other part that is actually very beneficial I don't know I'm, that one that one is a, is a hard one to I think fair. that's definitely one to definitely to think about um, yeah yeah a whole uh, other episode just yeah. for capitalism and feminism and <laughs> People are really driven by the concept of intersectional feminism, and I think mm. it is becoming more and more normalised, but do we think for the next generation, so for our children, mm. do you think it's going to be, like, the overarching definition of feminism will encapsulate the concept of intersectionality? It will have to, 100%. Yeah. I mean, even, like, okay, this may sound, like, super trivial, but, like, even even dating people from other ethnicities, right? Yes. I remember my grandparents or my mom, like, my mom especially, she was telling me, like, she, it was it was something that wasn't even... It was even, a taboo. Yeah. You wouldn't it do was it. something that was weird. It wasn't right. illegal or anything, like, in America back in the... frowned upon. But it was frowned upon. Oh, okay. my God. Like, if, if you ask my grandmother, for example, like, the only... Like, she was like, oh, okay, Ilaria, don't bring somebody, like, from China home because that's the only... I'm like, what the... Do you see what I mean? So it's like a yes, whole generation. Yes. My grandma way was like that as well. She was yeah, like, yeah, with no, no rational basis whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. With no <laughs> rational basis whatsoever. But it's just like the only yes. reason they think that is because they, they're not used to it. They've never experienced exactly. it. So they think that's normal. Exactly. But I think that already, like, I, you know, interracial like relationships and stuff, our children will be like, yeah. they will have at least 50% of like what we consider minority, like, you know. So it will have to be. Everyone's going to be tanned. So, I mean, it, it's got to be for that. So I think there will be a, like a, a rising, like, you know, in terms of like ethnicity, like intermingling, yeah. yeah, which is, I think it's very positive, but then yeah. you, know, you have a whole other, but I think intersectionality will have to be, I think it will have to become like one of probably the major factor that will drive the whole movement. I think it's becoming now still like, thank God it's becoming like one of the main, you know, driving like elements but I think it's still lacking like in a lot of like discourses within the feminist movement yes unfortunately as I said before is like I think it's 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 a matter of you not understanding that you're afforded a sort of a privilege that you have to speak of and in certain like parts of your life you have to challenge it as well absolutely because as a white woman I can't go out and be like oh well I definitely have worse than you know a woman from the Bronx like with no access to like I don't know, a sex education have, or yeah. whatever, like even like a education and stuff. Rent or exactly. Yeah. So she will have like what five children, and I can actually choose not to have any and like progress with my career, stuff like that. So it's just, but I think some people still don't see it, and it's it's sad more than angry. It's like, yeah, it's just. I don't but know. I think technology definitely has enabled, and you can argue that technology has been a byproduct of yeah. capitalism, yeah, and that has fueled you know, an increasing level of awareness of p- 
people who are different to yeah. us and that maybe will help with intersectionality in the future and I think even, it definitely will yeah. in 30, 40 years time even the whole trans movement that it should be included in the feminist movement yes. some people say yes that's some another topic no. yeah. yeah and I think you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a yes person in that sense but or even yeah. disabled people uh, disabled yeah. women sorry like I don't know I, probably this is like a fault on my part but I haven't seen much on them when I when you know when you just research like I don't know feminist movement or whatever they I cover all much. the grounds but they don't talk about able bodied exactly being a privilege being yeah. able bodied yeah I don't I don't really I don't I don't recognize I don't realize that you know the fact that I have working functionality of my body yeah. is, is a privilege like even in London I was thinking about it my, my dad came over like last year to visit me and we were thinking about some stations without escalators Lord like, have mercy yeah, I like, like, how wow. are you gonna get up like you know like literally the, the <laughs> oh free God. like availability what's it called free access like platforms yeah what are they like step free access yeah there's like, not very many 85 like stops in London it's just and I started thinking about it. I was like okay so if I actually were let's say on a wheelchair how the am I able to like live in London? Do I have to live in a particular area that maybe is like way more expensive? Because I haven't seen any. Have you? No. People on wheelchairs. I've on seen. To be fair, I had like one classmate when I was doing my LPC, and she lived in Oxford, and she had her um, father or mother bringing her in classes every time. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that means that the system wasn't compatible. With I her think needs it wasn't. At all. I must I mean, say, if she had to have her parents bring yeah. her. Yeah. It means also, you know, the parents, thank God, they were, like, free enough to, like, yeah, I guess, to I don't know anything her. about that side of her life, but I remember seeing her being accompanied all the time. So it's just, it, so it must, or, like, black disabled women, do you know what I mean? Like, they have two things to talk yeah, about. that's so, what makes them exactly. so intersectional. <laughs> exactly. Um, so it has to be, it must be, I think, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a hot topic that I think has to be included, though, because otherwise yes. we keep, like, authorizing everybody else's experience yeah because oh you are the uh, you're someone else else being the keyword like no man like she's just deserving to have a spot on this like on the whole platform as much as you do but i think yeah. that's that's probably will be that's the challenge i think it's always been the challenge like but can, i think we'll continue to be to be honest yeah um, i mean even the first wave feminism i remember one of my friends dear friends actually that i have a lot of these discussions with um She's from the Bahamas, and she was telling me like the first wave of feminism, and um, when they started, you know, like when they started saying like we want be like we want to be able to vote like suffragette and all that stuff. Yeah. One of their arguments was, and I didn't know because again, not being taught this at school, um, I didn't know that one of the arguments that they would present was, "Come on, you're not gonna afford like black men more rights than me." Oh so, my God! I yes, swear so to God, that's racist. Exactly. <laughs> Like so like, it's oh like at the expense God. of others. Exactly. But I have come across that before. I but like it's just know. sunk in now. It's just sunk yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> and I read an article like before coming here with you today. I was I just read an article about it. I was like, oh my god, this is public knowledge. So it's it's so again, you know, like even when you started the movement, like I mean, I sort of like can excuse that to be fair. I can see that that was like the very first start of it, but we can't have that still now. No. It has I mean, to. I don't think people could get away with saying something no, like that come now. On now. So, like, but like, yeah, I mean, in terms of looking how far we've come, yeah. that's, that's a massive yeah. shift. I think one thing, I, a concept is institutionalized sexism versus oh, yeah. sexism or discrimination that takes place in the personal space, so behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah. So I think institutional sexism has definitely come to the fore. So for example, with movements like Me Too and Time's Up, yeah. where in the public space, sexual harassment against women... And people's sexist blind spots are being called out in the workplace mm -hmm. and in, you know, in Hollywood, places like that. Yeah. But it's not the same level, at the same level for behind the clo behind closed doors, you know, at, at home sexism yeah. and discrimination. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about that as well. I don't know you, but like, if I think about my dating life, <laughs> Yeah, right? go on. I don't know much uh, about this. I was thinking about the experiences that I've had, right, with men... Um, and all the things that I've excused because I've been taught, not by my mother, I could never say that because she would like pin me to the wall, but I, I've been like <laughs> taught by the society and what I've been like surrounded by. Like, so I've been conditioned to think that certain things are okay, so I shouldn't fight them. Do you see what I mean? It's like they're normalized. It's like, yeah. you're going to receive sexual harassment at work now and again, you know, a snipe yeah, comment go by a coworker. Just deal with it. Exactly. I mean, I had that recently and... I, I turned a blind eye to it. Have you? I mean, there was a bit of, you know, intoxication. So you think, oh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt yeah. here because, you know, we've all had a few drinks. Yeah. 
And then I thought to myself, if I'd made a comment like that against a male colleague, I'd probably get away with it. Yeah. Because they're male, yeah. they wouldn't. So it's like a double standard there yeah, as well. Yeah. So I took that into account. Yeah. And I don't really ponder over it too much. But um, So, like, also, I'm wondering, would like, does your status, like, you know, like the Me Too movement, like yeah. Alyssa Milano, whatever her name is, and all those people, is it because you're Alyssa Milano that you're allowed to, like, do that? Because have I done that? Would have, like, I don't know, would it have, like, the same... As someone who's not famous. Yeah, I mean, or like, you know, as like, I don't know. All the times that I could have like called out something like that, that happened to me and I re- in inside I realized, oh, that shouldn't have happened. Did I have the level of... Exactly. I mean, how I would people react to for it? it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I'm not sure, like, it's, it's all good movements and stuff and I appreciate them and everything, but I think that's still like a big, like in terms of discrimination, I think is like, that's a big, like step still that has to be taken because like also you know how hard it is to like to prove rape and everything and all that stuff like apparently only four percent of um rape allegations are actually taken forward yeah exactly and also not to mention how many don't get reported at all yes so i'm not well there was a statistic recently saying at least a quarter of your of the people or the women that you know will have been either sexually harassed or assaulted or raped yeah. and they just won't tell you like you just don't they yeah. never, they'll never mention it yeah so so I wonder yeah so I started, I thought about that because it's like because it's normalised it's like just exactly, deal with it yeah certain things that I also like certain behaviours that you do like that you have like in even in a dynamic at work or whatever with like maybe the counterpart even probably even with women you happen I don't even know but like it's, it's just stuff that because I've been taught like indirectly like by television or you know society or whatever that that was normal then I don't fight it and I think that's probably another thing that maybe like I hope my niece will ever have because god knows but like I think also that's like a thing that maybe the next generation will have to deal with but they will definitely take a stand they won't they won't be like okay yeah that's fine okay let me go along with it let me go home and like forget about it yeah because some of these women who are coming forward in Hollywood obviously very another very privileged dynamic there but yeah. 10 20 years ago when they were harassed by film directors they didn't say anything yeah but they, they're saying things now so yeah. in that decade there's been a clearly a shift people yeah. feel more empowered so yeah. that might double up again and then for the next generation and people and it just doesn't happen at all yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's how much it's changed and then also things. it's funny because like you have when they came forward you know how you had also the counter argument be like oh well now like who do we know that you, who like are you lying or you're not like you know how some were made of like being like liars because like one was coming forward so like 30 of them were coming forward and it never happened for them so it's just i think that's also being instrumentalized because what because it opened the floodgates and yeah exactly like, oh. literally like oh well then i can do it, and then i can do it and maybe because like one or two came out as being like oh that never happened for them they just came out because probably they went they wanted some like visibility or whatever <laughs> right. then that also tarnished the whole movement yeah so people don't is, take it seriously exactly like, oh, yeah, people are just doing it for the sake of it exactly and so like you know conservatives and stuff like took that as an example being like well if the two are like lying then also the other 35 so must say be lying else, yeah which is stupid because it's like then you made me like go out of the what the, the narrative actually is to actually try and redirect it to the fact that this happened and we have to talk about this now instead of like me trying to convince you that I was right I don't know it's it's, yeah. it's annoying yeah and bringing into that I mean another concept is the imperialist discourse which we've seen over the last century and mm. I think it's, that's changed quite a lot but it has sought to undermine the real struggles of some very disadvantaged women yeah and by that I mean in, so if we look at back at the hierarchy of civilization women without education have prioritized not being subjected to poverty because they've had mouths to feed as i mentioned earlier um so as a consequence of their situation they became housewives or subjugated and what the imperialist discourse did and by that i mean you know countries which are colonized and how they treated the women of those countries they colonized Mm -hmm. so the imperialist discourse positioned its own culture or race or I guess its nation, yeah. and the particular patriarchal gender relations operating within that parameter as more advanced than the scale of civilization of, say, India when it was colonised. Yeah. And so the norm was sort of replaced that they had in their cultural movement with that of the West. Yeah, sort of like a transplant of... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think, fueled the failure for a lot of people to challenge their own preconceptions about certain cultures because they just immediately dismissed it and said oh ours is better so let's yeah so let's like implement it everywhere put this agenda forward but without having any regard to other 
yeah, ex- nuances which, within exactly, which is the same, which is what we were talking about before in terms of like that's I think is one of the ways, maybe the main way by which like the Western like view of feminism became the mainstream one, because also like, it's like it's sort of like if you think about it, it's like Orientalism, right? When the West like pushed so hard to make the East like look like so different because also it was convenient at the time. I mean, if I... As in, that's how they justified their exactly. actions. It's like, oh, we need to do this to help these Precisely. poor people. Exactly. Because they're because barbaric. They're because yeah. yeah. Because they need us to, like, you know, give them our rules or whatever because they're going to live better. That's your presumption and conception of something that, A, you don't know. B, probably is, like, again, a power struggle because you just want to, you know... Dominate. Yeah, and take control over the it. world. And then you need a justification <laughs> for doing it. Yeah. So that's also like the same way I think the Western movement became like sort of like made itself, honestly, like it labeled itself like as the, as the mainstream one. Because then also like I make my issues the priority and yours, I'm going to make it as the others. So if you just say that automatically, it becomes like already like in rankings, it becomes like second, third, or fourth. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's, it's a sneaky way of making it like, okay, well, my narrative is like the main one. Yeah. But it's not necessarily like, it's not true, 100%. No. And I, but that's also like problematic because I feel like that's one of the reasons why the movement sort of like split. Yes. So if we have, and that's one of the things that I really, really hope that, well, Changes. us millennials, yeah, yeah, will try. But I hope that the next generations will manage to. Because there's no point of having women like, you know, being against each other. A, because it's such a nuisance because we have to redirect the conversation again. Yes. Like, why don't we focus on the actual issues instead of, like, trying to, like, you know, making it like, oh, I'm first, I'm first, I'm first. Like, it makes no sense. Yes. And it's like... So it's, do you think intersectionalism addresses that problem of the power struggle between different should. types of women? But, but the counter-argument to that is it actually divides women. We should just have... We should place all of our struggles under one umbrella of feminism and not see it as an intersection intersectional concept. Right, is, is like the counter. That's interesting. Yeah, but at the same time, don't you think like maybe like somebody else that has different issues from me? Then she's like, wait, why are you trying to make me homogeneous in something? Yes, because I think yeah. it could be like a it could be like an all inclusive thing, but it doesn't mean that I have to like take away the the reason why you are struggling or right. the reason why you want to be part of so the So someone who like, has been subjected to unequal pay, yeah. if you look at their struggle and you, and they say to you, you should join this struggle with me because obviously all women should be paid equally. But what if your priority is to, you know, have enough money to go to school? Yeah. So then your struggle is completely different. Yeah. And so like I could make it political, but actually for you it's like a day-to-day sort of like survival yeah. kind of thing. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. I guess... Because also the other thing is that we should like let people have yeah choose like choose why you define yourself in a certain way instead of me trying to like put a label on you. Right. It's like the same way of like how many black women are actually like you know partners of law firms or even like you know heads of chambers like I'm talking about the law industry now. Yeah, yeah. Like not many and like if I just say but also like also white women but at the same time I can't be like. Me as a white woman going to like a black woman and be like, okay, well, let's unite our forces and being like, okay, why don't women have like more, you know, power places in terms of like law industry, like at the top of the yes. hierarchy. But yeah. then the black woman could be like, yeah, but my actually my kind is like less it's places. Mul- it's, it's multifaceted because yeah. it's a race. And, so yeah, I understand if like you know there's like a sort of like division in that sense because clearly we have the same issues, but maybe for different reasons. Right. Um, but it's yeah, it's an interesting point though. I never thought it about is, that yeah. I mean, just based on our discussion, do you think the future of feminism in countries such as um, India will be compared to Britain's or the US's version of feminism? Because I guess there are misconceptions about what priorities Indian or even Italian women mm. have compared to um, the overarching Western concept. But, for example, we often think that Indian women need access to educational gender equality, but some women don't have access to clean water. They yeah. can't feed their children, or they may want to be at home. Yeah. Um, and their struggle is having to do all the chores. Maybe they, they would want to see chores at home divided equally between them and their partners. Yeah. And then we sometimes think we can speak on their behalf and sort of jump on the know-what's-best-for-them bandwagon and... Yeah. But that isn't the case because we don't know what's going on at yeah. home. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's already happening, isn't it? Like, it's already being compared. Like, it's like, oh, like, my view is your view, then it's kind of, like, the same. Right. So I think that's already happening. Even when you look at, like, journal articles and stuff, like, and, you know, it's just, it's annoying to see, like, oh, like, this part of the world, should, like, needs this, and, like, so we can give it to them, or, like, you know, because we are at this point of our lives, and also, like, that side of the world should be, like, at the same point. It's just, like, it's, it's, Incorrect, first Everyone's of all. in different cycles. Yeah. And there's no concept of feminism that's greater than the other. Yeah. Because everyone's at different stages yeah. of their own movement. Yeah, and there are different dynamics that I think me as a Western woman can never understand, for example, going on in, God knows, a part of Asia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could never put myself on the same level as... I don't yes. know, an Indian woman, I right. wouldn't even try. Yeah, I mean, neither can I, even though racially I am, but I, I mean, I didn't grow up in Bangladesh, so, yeah. I mean, my many women in my family did, you know, spend the f- first few years of their life there, so they would have a different understanding of it. Yeah. And that's quite well illustrated in their sort of cultural view of different things. So, for example, cohabiting before yeah. marriage is, like, oh, yeah. seen as a taboo. Because even, like, internally, like, within that culture, I'm pretty sure that, like, if you talk about, like, a millennial sort of, like, woman from India and, like, a... Like us, right? Like, so, like, or to her grandma. I'm pretty sure that they have, like, different views as well. So probably even internally, like, they're having, like, struggles that we are having within our own generation, like, level, whatever. So I think that's, that's, that's the problem is, like, we have to be mindful of the fact that there are, like, different types and... However you want to put it, like if you want to put them under like the same umbrella term or whatever, but you need to be conscious of the fact that they have to be included, like no matter what. Yes. And you need to let them be because otherwise we're always going to be like in the same vicious cycle of like being, oh yeah, I'm first and you're first and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. I mean, I think we've made really good progress in terms of calling out rape culture. Oh, yeah. And that's been empowered through social media and greater political engagement, social activism, consciousness, and this whole, in quotes, wokeness of people. Um, So, so for example, like Generation Z, the top end of millennials are already one of the most diverse, as you Mm. mentioned before, the diversity thing, interracial relationships. So in the US, for example, about 47% of people will be racial minorities. Okay. Um, in the next few years, <laughs> which is ten percent more than the current overall population. Okay, I think forty-eight percent of people identify as exclusively heterosexual, and sixty-five percent of millennials say the same. But I think that's going to completely change. That's the thing. Like, what rights. do you do if you have a person calling themselves gender fluid? Yeah, <laughs> I can't understand <laughs> I mean, it. I can't understand I it. I can't either. I'm so. a proud woman. Always will be. Even when I die. <laughs> So I don't really like. I'm don't female. Yeah, exactly. I'm not a person. I'm biologically female. I don't. I don't. I honestly. I generally. But I. When I say that's going to change, isn't it? It the has feminism. to. Yeah. Because the non-binary thing, and when I say I don't understand it, I mean it in a fascinating sort of like I'm fascinated by it. I don't. I don't mean like I don't understand it. Like fuck off. But it's sort of like will that change them? It must change the movement. Some sort of also for like yeah. the inclusiveness of you know like as we said before like trans people. It's how how is it gonna well, they're saying it's the new racism, isn't it? So, like, yeah. 50 years ago, when there was, still, like, <clears throat> apartheid and things like that going on, there was a difference between um, women who, you know, white women versus non-white women, and that was a struggle, and white feminists didn't see that as a struggle, so they wanted to equate feminism with, you know, everything. Yeah. Whereas now, I feel like, for me, in my generation, the struggle I'm having is with understanding non-binary and gender fluidity concepts, yeah. and maybe it's the same level of ignorance as... The racial before. ignorance, yeah, but yeah. the same sort of level and like not understanding it. But I, obviously, I want to change that because I want to know more about it. Yeah, so. but it's, yeah, it's it's it, that's a fascinating. Honestly, I haven't read enough about it, but it was interesting because I was reading an article about what five or six women thought about the future of the movement, and one of them said, "You know, I consider myself as non-binary or whatever, gender fluid or whatever," and she said, "Definitely, that that has to be addressed as being." one of the things that has to be part of the movement. Should someone who, for example, transitions from male to female still be part of the feminist dialogue? Oh, yeah. And someone who maybe who was born female but then wanted to become male, should they still be part of the feminist movement? Yeah. And for the next generation, I think they will be. Cause, yeah. Because of the whole gender fluidity thing as well. Yeah. And I think fairly so, because come on now, like if if we're trying to fight against like what the traditional like it's a definitional problem, isn't it? Yes. Like, if we're trying to, to wage war against what whatever traditional definition we had before, like, 
then we we have to be able to like make it a fluid one just to stay in the topic like <laughs> we have to be able to like you know be comfortable with the fact that it's going to be in development and in progress and it should be so yes because god knows in like 3015 what it will what, be we might not have genders might, we might we not might exactly we might all be robots and my with mind might be like yeah one, one eye, eye and one Wait, foot one, why one eye i don't know it was one of the predictions <laughs> So, so oh, someone where? recently sent me an article of like all the crazy predictions people said there would be in place at, at, in the year 2020. One of them was that humans would only have one foot. One oh, toe, yeah. sorry, one toe. One toe? And just one foot. Like just so like it was too unstable to have you know two two legs. Like, just, it's like Monsters and yeah. Co, like the cartoon. Like, so we're going to jump around the earth. And also like, that we'd all give up tea and coffee. No, I tell this to Italian people. Me, They're okay. gonna be like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> no, man, we okay, thrive yeah, on okay. espressos. Anyway. So anyway, to conclude, then, <laughs> we've had some really interesting discussions today. Especially some things I, I never thought we'd talk about, but I'm glad we've <laughs> touched upon them. Yeah, um, one too. So, I guess one thing I always ask um, my guests to do is pick a quote from a recent book that they read, um, which has a theme of feminism or anything that they found really close to their own sort of sense of identity and belonging. Um, so do you want to start off with yours or do you want me to... Why not? Let me get my <coughs> voice on, literary uh, voice. Uh. So the, the quote is from a book that I'm obsessed with lately. I just I ended like a few months ago. Oh my God, I was so sad. And oh it's, no. Yeah, no, honestly, I had like a whole depression. It. Yeah, I'm that kind of person. You know, when you end yeah. like series and you're like, what am I going to do now? Um, so it's, I'm going to say the Italian way, Circe. Okay. Maybe Circe. It's like, you know, the Greek goddess? Yes. That one. And it's from Madeleine Miller. Go buy it, people! And um, the the quote is, um, All my life had been murk and depths, but I was not a part of that dark water. I was a creature within it. Which wow. I really, I know, right? I mean, round of applause. I know, very deep. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Um, I'm bowing. So I th- I relate to that personally um, as, as a woman because, like, as I said, when I came out of Italy, I realized came out. It seems like a, a bubble. When I when I went to when I came to England, I realized that a lot of like constructions as a girl I could let go. So like sort of like you know you have to dress up girly. You have to yes. do this. You have to have long hair. You have to blue and pink. Oh my god! The most like of like the one that I got the most was like you have to um, sit like a lady. Because honestly, I sit like a track driver every single day. See how you're going to But yeah, I know what you mean. I the same thing. That was yeah. one of the things. And like yeah, yeah. a lot of the things that I thought were sort of like social mores that everybody had, I came to know that they were not. And so I found out that I wasn't, you know, a lot of other things. Like that was one of it. But like a lot of other things, like my sexuality, like I'm, a, I'm very open in terms of like that, like my sexuality. And like, yeah, you. my... Okay. So... That was one of the other things that I found out I didn't have to be so secretive about or, like, so ashamed of or it wasn't wrong. I didn't have to, like, fit in one box or the other. So, and coming to London especially, I mean, we all know what London is like. Very, it's like a country within... Diverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's hope it will stay like this. You can be anyone in London, genuinely. Exactly, yeah. and nobody will care. And it's a good thing, <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, so that was one of the things. And so I realized that I was just in this environment that, like, raised me in a way that I thought you was part of me. You had to be a particular way. Exactly. You had to be a woman. Exactly. But right. I didn't have to. I was just embedded in this sort of, like... Construct. Construct. Social. But I, I wasn't part of it. Right. And I think that's... That should be not just women, honestly, everybody. Like you're not if you're if you're from a you're background or to no, own, you're not to your agenda. For as stupid and silly as it, yeah, exactly. For as, as silly as it can sound, like be you, like just, be <laughs> just do you, man. Like honestly, and it's it's it sounds easy, but I think as you go on in life as well, like you know, being twenty six, become more confident. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, five years ago, I definitely didn't have this level of confidence. Oh, girl, no! If oh you met me God. like years ago, I would have been like this weird ass woman, being like, "What am I doing with my life?" Ooh, like love coming of age. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. It's a short yeah. quote, but it's quite meaningful, isn't it? It's like, oh, you need to. I think it also an undertone it has is that you are a product of your own environment, and it's fine. Exactly, it's fine and you should you be are. aware of it yeah. as well. As in, like, yeah. develop your own yeah. understanding Be, like, of it's Have your okay. own opinion. Because, as you said, like, even if you're, like, you are from, like, a... Do you say Bangladeshi? Yeah. Um, but you feel like you are, like, a, a Western Britain. woman yeah. because you're raised here. But yes. you know what your roots are. Yes, and you bring exactly. them with yourself. Yes. Me too. I had, like, I don't know, as, as an expat, like, 
um, I have this, I live in this constant limbo. This would deserve a whole other episode. I live, <laughs> I live in this constant limbo of like not belonging really because yes. I came out of, I, I, I left my country because I don't respect a lot of things that are going on there still now. But at the same time, politically and like so, at social level, but at the same time, I'm not English. A hundred percent. I'm Italian and I'm proud of it. But so I, that, so I, I bring my roots with my with me wherever I go yeah but I also expand them and like you know I I enrich them with stuff that I learn along the way yes um so and that shapes you as a person yeah so exactly it's a combination so of things don't be ashamed you're you are the product of you didn't choose where you came no. from <laughs> exactly <laughs> you don't but um just be conscious of it I think that's yes that's absolutely one of the things. very nice quote I like it a lot oh, mine's not really from a book actually it's from um this is really random but I came across this independent article probably when I was doing my research for this episode um from 6th of February 1999 and it was titled the next generations will be feminists in all but name oh, cool. um so the quote is, feminism still has a purpose today because feminism cannot cease to exist while women are denied basic economic and political equality and while men are free to ignore domestic work and are unpunished when they perpetrate sexual and domestic violence. It cannot cease to exist when, for too many young women, there are no opportunities before them beyond poverty pay and lonely child rearing. First, in achieving equality at work, measures such as the minimum wage family-friendly working practices, childcare provision and stronger measures for equal pay must be brought in to create more equality between women and men at work. Second, in supporting women in poverty, above all, increasing the, the income of women who are living on benefits with children. Third, in encouraging men in their participation in domestic and family life, a change that requires a push for parental leave from the top as well as cultural changes from the bottom. And fourth, in protecting women against sexual and domestic violence by providing more support services and reforming legal practice so that more violent men are brought to justice. Well, that was long. Mine and was that, I know, I know it's quite a big quote, but the reason no, is because really cool. I wanted to capture everything that's happened in the last twenty years yeah. since that article was written. All of those concepts that you know, the four concepts they outlined in terms of achieving equality yeah. for men and women have a lot of these things have actually already been achieved. So, yeah, for example, yeah. like parental um, parental leave, things like that, domestic work, chores. I think that's been a, in a, been aligned quite well as well. No, oh, yeah. But I think the main take home from the article is equality in the workplace and poverty. Yeah. Sort of displacing women and enabling inequality to be created between men and women. And that thing, I think, has definitely been closed, that gap. Yeah, yeah I think it has, yeah. No, it's a really good cool so actually. It shows how far we've actually come in the last yeah. 20 years, I think, definitely. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, because we only talked about mainly the <laughs> negative stuff, damn it. So in, in, <laughs> yeah, in another 20 years' time, God knows, like, what's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe there'll be more women um we will defrost um, Walt Disney, maybe. <laughs> Wherever he's got, like, oh, frozen. Oh, God. But, yeah. It's been a really interesting episode. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Brown Don't Frown podcast. If today's discussion interested you or you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Brown Don't Frown podcast and on Twitter at BDF podcast. You can also reach me on my blog at tanyasweeklydose.com. Join the conversation using the hashtag Brown Don't Frown podcast. Please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.